Welcome. I'm Carol Fishman-Cohen, CEO and co-founder of iRelaunch, and today we bring you a special edition videocast highlighting how one couple managed two career relaunches within five years. We call it the double relaunch. What happens when spouses or partners take overlapping career breaks and relaunch their careers? Speak with Corey and Lebrina Settles, both veterans who took overlapping career breaks for different reasons. Lebrina took two career breaks, totaling 18 years for childcare. And Corey left the workforce for two years when his father was ill. Corey relaunched at Johnson & Johnson in a senior procurement role before moving to Bank of America to become the chief procurement officer for their global technology and operations group. Labrina relaunched for the second time at Wells Fargo in 2020. She began as a senior process engineer and was recently promoted to lead business execution consultant. We will discuss how they coordinated the timing of their relaunches, what kinds of conversations they had leading up to their double relaunch, how it actually played out in real time, and how Corey and Labrina supported each other before, during, and after their career breaks. Labrina and Corey, welcome to 321i Relaunch. Thank you for having us. Thank you. Looking forward to it. So let's start by setting the stage. And I'm wondering if if both of you or either one of you could give us some background about how you first met as a couple. Yeah, sure. We were both military officers and we were stationed at Fort Hood, Texas, which is about an hour north of Austin. Ironically, we met in Dallas, Texas at a football game. And I saw her, she was standing there with her cousin and I was like, oh, she looks really, really good. I need to figure out how I can get in touch with her. Mm-hmm. So about, you know, a month later, we met from a, a mutual friend and then it started from there. Uh, so it's been a great, you know, fun field, 27 years since we met, I believe. And we have two daughters. We have one that is uh, a junior at North Carolina A&T University. And then we have one that's a freshman at Howard University as well. That's great. Thank you for, for giving us the background. Labrina, can you please take us through your career path up to the time when you took your first career break? Sure. So my career started straight out of high school. I actually joined the Army Reserves, enlisted, and but I had an academic scholarship. So I ended up joining the ROTC program my junior year of high school. And um, upon you know, graduating from college, I was commissioned as a second lieutenant in the Army um, on active duty. So I was a medical service corps officer. So in total, I did nine years in the military, four and a half were in the Army Reserves as a um, enlisted, and then the other four and a half were on active duty as a medical service corps officer. So I met Corey while I was stationed at Fort Hood, and within seven months, we were engaged, but we waited uh, another 18 months before we actually got married. Mm-hmm. And um, we knew that we wanted to start our family fairly quickly. No pressure, of course, from the in-laws, who were the right. only ones in their friend groups, <laughs> in their group of friends who did not have grandchildren. Um, but we actually started trying within our first year of marriage to have a child. 
Um, and we did all of our planning. You know, we had started saving money. Um, we knew that we both wanted to be out of the military by the time we started our family. Um, and Corey was scheduled to um, be discharged that December. Um, I was scheduled also to graduate with my master's degree in December. And once we started trying to have a child, our child actually was due to be born in December as well. Yeah, so all of those three What's things. going on? Yeah, all, all three of those things were actually happening in December. Well, our youngest daughter, Cameron, decided that she wanted to be born early. So she came in to try to disrupt our plans, you know. Um, she came, she was born in November. And um, right in the middle of my biggest paper, the dissertation was due because she wanted to be present at the graduation. I was scheduled to be out of the military shortly after maternity leave. And so everything happened all at once. Finished school, finished, um, got out of the military, had a child. And it was still just shortly after our first year of marriage. So we were still newlyweds. Wow. So that's that a lot uh, going on. Yeah. Um, and, and is that what led to your first career break? You decided yeah. to take it at that time? Mm-hmm. Yes. Well, like I said, we had decided that we both wanted to be out of the military just to create a little bit more stability um, right. in our families. Corey, what was happening with your career during this time? Uh, during this time, uh, as I got out of the military, I went to work at Dell Computers and in a variety of supply chain and engineering roles for about 10 years. Um, actually, I was commuting back and forth to Austin, Texas, an hour drive each way. It was incredibly, I say it was a stressful time in our, in our lives, uh, but it was fun. It was invigorating to know that I was working at Dell Computers. Dude, you're going to get you a Dell or, or whatever, <laughs> um, if you guys remember that. Um, and just uh, being you know, close to my family, my mom and my dad, and having the girls there. So it was just a good, a good time for us. Um, you had retired from the military. You began your role at Dell. Um, there's your... You had a child, Labrina, you're on career break. There is a lot of transition going on within a very short period of time. And I want to know if you could tell us a little bit about how you managed all of that change. And was it a, a lot of coordination and conversation? Or were you both on the same page at the same time? Bring us back uh, to that period. Yeah, so it, it was stressful, as he mentioned. Um, we had planned you know, for the career break. So we had started saving to get down to that one salary, but we had said it would be a year or two. And, you know, he was traveling back and forth and I did well the first five months because I had been exhausted and I used that time to recuperate. Because again, I had, you know, just gotten out of the military. I was work, had been working full time. Um, I was pregnant and I was in my master's degree and I was just exhausted, but we had not really planned for the emotional transition for me of going from working, you know, to just to being a mom and wife, you know, and so that was really difficult for me, but I did well the first five months. But after that, I started giving him a lot of issues when he was coming home. (laughs) I wasn't very nice. um, And I, 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 didn't have that support system in place of like community. His family was close by, but you know, people my age who had children my age, I didn't have that outlet and I had not planned for that. And so that was very difficult for me. And so, you know, all of the, my community were used to be my coworkers, you know, and I didn't have that anymore. They were busy going on with their own lives and 
I was at home with a newborn, which was great that I was able to do that. But I had not planned for like, who am I now? What is my identity? And I felt like that, that caused some churn for me. And so around month nine, you know, of me just giving him a hard time and him tired of hearing it, we decided it was time for me to go back to work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so we started, you know, I said I really wanted to give it a first year, but I needed to back into that date. So I started going ahead and doing my resume, you know, getting myself prepared for interviews. And I posted for a role, not thinking that much would come up, you know, come from it. And the guy called me and I was actually hired for um, a role as a healthcare service um, representative for Pfizer within two weeks of me actually really looking for a job. Wow. But I was able to negotiate an additional month, you know, in preparation um, to prepare our family. But we had a good support system from his family. His mom was uh, more than happy to uh, provide care for her grandchild while we, you know, her only grandchild, while we both went back to work. Well, that is very unusual that you were able to relaunch your career so quickly um, after after starting your job search. And also, I want to point out for our audience about you mentioned a couple of times the financial planning, the financial planning that you took time and care to do that allowed you to be on one income for a while and have career breaks and and have um, maybe uh, breaks in income streams. So that's a really important piece of being able to take career breaks for different reasons to the extent that you can choose to take them. Uh, So I just want to make sure that, uh, that we emphasize that yeah, I, I don't want to downplay the, the financial piece of it. it. It was very stressful for us um, going down to one salary, um, but we were very, um, we had to be more intentional about the things that we spent money on, you know, and we had made it a point, you know, early in our marriage to really live below our means and to try to save as much as possible. And so that was very helpful, but it still was stressful. Yeah. Well, thank you for just giving us the background on that. It's really important. Corey, can you comment at all on making the shift from the military to the corporate world and what that experience was like and how you were able to find that opportunity at Dell? Yeah, I found the opportunity at Dell. Um, it was a former uh, West Pointer who was there and they referred me to you know, the hiring manager and an engineering project manager role. Mm-hmm. So the transition was pretty seamless. The folks, you know, in the tech community, they're driven individuals, just like the driven individuals in the military. There's leadership, you know, skills that, of course, you learn in the military, um, but just the basics things of, you know, integrity and just trying to get the job done and using data to come up with the best solutions. Those are the things that I gleaned, you know, there were easily transferable skills to uh, the civilian sector. Thank you. And Labrina, I want to now bring us to the point where you ended up taking a second career break. And can you walk us through what happened at Pfizer and and what all of that timing was? Yeah. So um, I, like I said, I worked for Pfizer for, I guess it was close to around that time, around two, two and a half years. And we decided that we wanted to expand our family. And so we um, we started the financial planning, you know, again, of, of putting yeah. aside money and uh, got pregnant relatively quickly. And I'm trying to remember as far as the planning goes, 
we we just had conversations, but this time it was more so of I didn't we didn't set a time limit on when I would go back. You no. know, the last time we had set one to two years. This time we 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 didn't put a time limit on it, and it ended up being seventeen years. That's, yep, that's a long time, and I'm wondering. Um, so. Is that the main difference in terms of your approach to your second career rate versus the first is that you didn't put a limit on it or were there other things did, that maybe you learned from the first career break? That yeah, yeah. So, good question. <laughs> I did learn um, a little bit. I actually, um, I got very involved with my community and church. Um, I had met some fellow moms who had children uh, that were similarly aged. Um, I was able to really uh, I was volunteering. I also um, really decided that I was going to build out our property management company. So I got really involved in other things throughout the years. Um, I was able to help start a psychology clinic as well and ran that for like seven years. So I did more things in that time period. And I, I really focused more on connections too. But I also, my time was mine to do with it as I pleased, even with the property management, you know, and the you know, doing the, the psychology clinic, I also was, my time was mine. Right. So that I was control. able to be there for the kids. Yeah, I was still able to be there for the kids. I was able to be there for him, his wife, and, and just be present, but use my time in the way that I wanted. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so 17 years is a long career break. And- Very long. <laughs> And I know that in 2014, which was about a decade into your second career break, Corey, you stepped away from your position at Amazon. And can you tell us a little bit about what prompted that decision? Yeah, I stepped away in um, 2014, primarily because my dad had a terminal illness. Um, He was, you know, for about three and a half years. And every time I would go back from Seattle to Texas, you could see that he was getting progressively worse. And it was really taking a toll on my mom, who was the sole caregiver of him at that time. And so uh, decided, you know, that I would take a year off. That was the plan. We kind of discussed that. We were fortunate, again, to have the financial finances to, to do that. And we decided, hey, let's take this time off so I can spend some dedicated time with him. And then also we went to Costa Rica and that's a whole nother story, but, um, during that time, but we, and, but we really wanted to, you know, really maximize this time in my career break. Okay. So, uh, there, there are two pieces to that, that I'd love to talk about more. Um, and uh, the, the time that, that you had with your father and also the Costa Rica piece. So which one of those happened first and, and how long were you in Costa Rica and how did you even think about that country and, and what you were going to do and the whole concept of taking a sabbatical there? Yeah. So if anyone watches House Hunters, I'm not giving a, a plug out for HGTV, but international House Hunters, people would mm-hmm. you know go to all these different countries and you know stay there for a year or several months. And that was in 2008. We saw that we're like, wow, we really want to do that, you know, someday, Mm -hmm. you know, it's 2014. I know that I just can't be really, of course, I want to spend time with my dad, but I just need a break. I need some um, separation. And also we wanted the kids to experience a new culture and, and things like that. 
So what we decided to do is we were going to go to Costa Rica. I would spend two weeks with my dad in Central Texas, and then I would fly back to Costa Rica and do that. And so that's what we decided. And we're like, well, how, how do we decide Costa Rica? Well, we just looked on Google Maps. And, <laughs> you know, Google Maps is great. <laughs> and we you saw, like pointed, the, like just found it? Yeah, we, you know, we wanted to go to a beach. And, um, and we wanted to learn Spanish. We, uh, yeah, we wanted to learn Spanish. Yeah. And oh, I didn't, but she did. Oh. Uh, <laughs> but we saw the beaches of Puerto Rico and we saw the beaches of uh, Panama. And then we saw the beaches of Costa Rica and they on Google Maps on that day or the satellite it looked, you know, Costa Rica beaches look well. <laughs> look and, and then so we just said, OK, we're going to go there. And then to type to, to um, top it off, uh, they had a great, you know, bilingual school there, mm. for the kids. And, um, you know, basically it was like six months later, she was getting on a plane from Seattle um, with the kids, because I had to stay back to, you know, kind of, you know, take care of things um, in Seattle. And she was in Costa Rica speaking Spanish and getting stuff done. So uh, what he did mention is we had, ne- again, no, he might have mentioned it. We we had never visited. Oh, so you just, this is your first time. I had the girls, okay. all of our bags. We had put everything in storage in Costa Rica, you know, mm-hmm. and he was, he was dealing with the storage stuff, uh, you know, on the back end. But I had a, a full load of bags, the girls, and had never visited. Wow. And it's so interesting. to be deadly. <laughs> <laughs> well, I wanted to ask you some details from your perspective, Lubrina, about what it was like to do all of this. So I'm hearing the beginning and, and I, I, I'm really blown away that you were able to just be super adventurous, have this experience and, and just be, open to whatever happens. So can you take us there? Um, like you, you arrive, you have your kids, you have all these bags. Um, I guess they're, they have to go being enrolled in school, but like, like you had to find a place to live. Like, how did you do it? So we, we did a lot of planning before I got there. You know, I was responsible for the exit plan and he was responsible for the entry plan, the re-entry plan back into the state. So got it. Um, yeah, I was nervous. I was scared. But, you know, the best way to combat that is through preparation. So um, I had already had conversations with the school, had done interviews. The girls had gotten accepted, had um, gotten in contact with a realtor over there, had them do like a video. on I think it was with WhatsApp or something to walk through the apartment. We had seen pictures. So I had a place to stay, had reserved a rental car because we didn't have transportation. You know, the girls were enrolled in school. Um, we got the uniforms for them and everything, but, you know, going through customs that first time with all of those bags and when we got there, it was like, oh my goodness, this is like really real. <laughs> we're really doing this. Right. We're really doing this. And, um, and Corey, you know, he wasn't scheduled to come for like three weeks. And so I was on the ground trying to figure it all out, you know? Mm-hmm. Wow. Well, I love it. And, and I, I wanted to actually think about the experience from your perspective, Corey, because at this point you were getting at things at uh, sort of settled on the back end, as Labrina said, you are going to join your family in Costa Rica, but you also have your father in Texas. And so what, can you talk a little bit about that time and 
how you split your time between the two locations and, and, and how that went. Yeah. So I spent two, you know, I, I said it was planned for like two weeks at a time, visiting him, helping my mom and, you know, getting him to the appointments and things like that. And then, you know, spending the time with um, Labrina and the girls. And it was just a bittersweet time. Costa Rica is beautiful. We're on a beach. It's kind of like paradise and all those things. But, you know, in the back of your, my head was, you know, my father was passing. Right. And so, you know, it was an incredibly, you know, hard time for the entire family. Mm-hmm. And uh, just coming to grips with um, that, it will be a new normal. Right. And so, you know, I, I took that time. I felt like it, it was needed. And I'm just in, incredibly grateful that I did take that time and had those last moments with my father. Mm, right. So you had that time, that precious time with your father. And then uh, did you go back to Costa Rica after that and spend more time as a family or were you already getting ready to move back at that point? Yeah. So we originally said it was going to be a year. We left in um, August of, of that year, August of 14, and he passed in March of 15. So after he passed, we spent, we went back to Costa Rica for a few, a few months, primarily Labrina and I, and then um, we came back and probably from June all the way up until 2016, I believe, um, that we were staying with my mom, you know, ha- helping her get affairs in order and things like that. Yeah, so he, he passed in March of 2015 and the girls were still in school. So we went back until they graduated and they graduated in June. And then once they graduated, we came back and we stayed with him. And part of the reason we, we stayed there was, again, we were a very close-knit family. Um, and, you know, we had lived 15, five minutes away from them for almost 15 years. And so, you know, we were, we had our only grandkids and it was very tough. All of us were really grieving. And so we, we chose to stay there with her mm-hmm. to help everyone get through that time. Yeah. You're you're carrying a pretty fresh and heavy grief load and you're managing this time, Corey, with your mother. And were you thinking at this at some point that you were going to go back to work or was that not in the plan yet? Yeah, that was the plan that I was going to go back to work. And I was doing, you know, some reach outs um, even while I was in Costa Rica of, you know, new opportunities and things like that. However, um, I wanted to make sure that the role that I went back to was a role that I really wanted, not just the you know, first role that someone would, would want to hire me uh, kind of thing. So mm-hmm. I was pretty meticulous and pretty um, you know, intentional <laughs> about the roles that I saw. And so it, it took time. And you know, we came to a point where Labrina was like, it's been a year. <laughs> you know, what's going on here? Right. Um, we need to make a, a decision. And I just wasn't in the game at that time. Right. And we had to work through that. Mm-hmm. So can you talk to us a little bit about you ended up taking this position at Johnson and Johnson. It resulted in an out of state move. But can you bring us uh, up to that point? Did you have any other interviews that happened before that? And how did you handle the, the job search process? Absolutely. I had um, several interviews and I actually had an offer from um, one company in Atlanta. However, it wasn't what my salary expectations were or what the market was charging. And 
the hiring manager was like, look, you don't have a job anyway. What are you complaining about? Right. <laughs> Some money is better than no money. And and, you know, that type of, you know, response was really maddening. And yeah, I don't have a job, but, you know, I need you to respect my humanity and it respect, you know, what I what I am or, or what I uh, bring to the job. And so and those types of um, companies you don't want to work for anyway, because, you know, that's the culture of that you just don't want to um, be a part of. So but when I went to Johnson and Johnson, it was just a great opportunity. Johnson and Johnson is a great company. They care about their people, their patients and things of that nature. So I was really excited about getting that offer uh, for, from Johnson and Johnson. However, I was still grieving and, um, you know, had to deal with those kinds of emotions as, you know, um, went through that process. So there are a few things here I, I just want, I, I want to call out. Um, first of all, how you talk about that, that was you got an offer and you were not going to take it because you could tell that the culture was not the right culture by the way that conversation unfolded. And I think that's pretty gutsy because you're, you, you know, you you have this offer at hand and you're deciding I'm going to pass this up because it's not the right match and I know it's not and I'm going to keep going and looking without knowing what's happening next. So just the idea that you really, you had pride, you were not going to be deterred by someone who was trying to categorize you in a certain way and, and, and really like sort of cater to what could have been a vulnerability by saying, hey, you know, you're not, you're unemployed anyway. To me, it feels like it was a really hard thing to do. And it, but I think it was, it's just a, it's such a great illustration for our audience of when you know it's not the right match. Again, it comes down to respect. He hates being disrespected and that's what he felt like in that moment. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, Corey, I wanted to know about the Johnson & Johnson conversations that ended up with the offer. Did the, how was the elder care career break discussed? Did you talk about it as a sabbatical, a family sabbatical? Did you talk about it in terms of being in an elder care situation? How did you talk about your career break with them? I talked about it was it was a career break to, you know, take care of my father. And, and you know, they would if they read the, re- the resume, they're like Costa Rica, what's going on? Here? Like, <laughs> right. It's uh, kind of crazy. And, you know, it would just be a, a, a topic. And most folks, you know, who heard the story, um, they're like, wow, I wish I would have done that when my father or my mother or my uh, sister was ill or I had the opportunity to do that. And so they're much you know, nine times out of 10 or 99 out of 100 times, people are like, wow, that that's amazing. And, and so, you know, I wouldn't shy away from, you know, having those discussions um, in the interview. It's your story. And if you don't want to tell your story or the company doesn't want to hear your story, then you probably don't want to work for them. Of course, they're going to, you know, of course, it's a paycheck or a job or whatever you need to provide for your family, but it just takes one person to believe your story, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. And you're and believe me, I got rejected a lot, right? <laughs> <laughs> I got rejected a lot, and my feelings were hurt or whatever. But if one person believes your story, you're in there, right? Mm-hmm. And and then you can fly. Um, so don't give up on that. 
It's your story. You own it. Go tell it. Mm-hmm. And someone will will latch on to it and um, you'll have success. Mm-hmm. And one thing we always talk about is money is fungible. Time is not. And that's what we mm-hmm. really learned from, you know, the, the experience of losing his father is time. Time is very precious. You don't know how much you have. Right. And the idea, though, and I, I just want to call this out for our audience about when you're on an elder care career rate, you're often in a situation where the person who you're caring for dies and then you are in mourning and you're grieving and the, you know, everyone has a certain comfort level with how much of that story they want to tell before it gets too emotional for them or, you know, what the timing is. Uh, so there's that piece of it. Um, and then you combine that with a job search where, Corey, as you're saying, there's a lot of rejection, you know, in the mix. And um, it just, it takes a lot to, to be having those conversations in, under the, those circumstances. So Labrina, um, from your perspective, when Corey was on this job search, he had said no to that one, there was rejection, the Johnson & Johnson offer comes along. What was your reaction to that? Well, there were a couple of instances where he had said no to other jobs. And um, I had, you know, again, we were staying with his mom. All of our stuff was in storage in Seattle. Mm. Um, we were driving her car, staying with her. We, we were paying her money, but I still, we were used to having our own place, right? Mm-hmm. And so um, the no after no after no to other jobs, I'm like, well, what's the deal? I understood the other one because it wasn't, you know, the guy was mean. He wasn't respectful. So I understood that. But the other ones, it's like, okay, give me what you're looking for. What are you looking for? Explain this to me because I need a plan. Mm-hmm. So I didn't, we didn't see anything. He couldn't give me any rationale about the Johnson & Johnson job that, that, that would just, you know, knock us out of the running for that. So I'm like, okay, you got to take this one. <laughs> <laughs> I'm ready to go. Uh-huh. The girls need to be settled. They need to be, you know, we need to have them settled by next year. Cause mm-hmm. you know, they, we didn't want them to move this year because they were finishing off school, but we were in what, May, May, almost May then, April, you know, we were in April time frame. So they were going to be out of school in May, want to move over the summer, let them get settled for school for uh, August. It's time to go. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I want to um, now think about that next transition. So Corey's about to take this Johnson Johnson job. I'm guessing it's Johnson Johnson headquarters in um, New Brunswick in, in New Jersey. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, so what happened at this point in t- Labrina in terms of your thinking about we're moving again, we have to establish again. And did it make you think at all about the timing of your return to work or were you not, was that not even part of the thought process yet? Well, off and on over the years, I would always bring up, you know, Maybe it's time for me to go back to work. But then, you know, once I started making some traction or doing a couple of things, mm-hmm. um, you know, we would move again or just made the decision that now wasn't the right time or, you know, and I felt like truthfully, my purpose was being fulfilled by me staying home. Mm-hmm. And so just made the decision at that time, too, as well, that, you know, maybe once we get settled, then I'll, I'll start, you know, looking again. But um, just 
getting the family acclimated to a new area. You know, the girls were, I think Cameron was entering middle school, you know, and which is a really difficult time. And and so we just really focused on over the years of me being the foundation, laying the foundation. He would go out to work and I made sure that once we moved that everything was settled, gotten, you know, and we would get those connections made. You know, I made sure the girls always said, mommy always tried to make us friends. So (laughs) that's great. Yeah. Yeah. So I I just, that was my, that was my role, you know, just laying the foundation for everything and getting us acclimated to a new area. And at some point when you were, were thinking, even if the relaunch was a a couple of years out or more, Mm -hmm. were you thinking at all about what you might be doing and whether you should be um, reskilling or upskilling. And if you did, what kinds of things were you looking at? Yeah. So again, over the years, I was doing um, community service work. I was volunteering um, and I I had done the psychology clinic, but once we moved from Texas, um, you know, and the property management, both of those things were in Texas. So Once we started moving, I started more on the community service volunteering. So doing projects with, uh, you know, different nonprofit organizations. And I really started thinking about, well, you know, Camille is once once Camille graduates from high school, that's the youngest. It's like, well, what am I going to do? And I started trying to figure those things out and really focusing in on what my skills were just intrinsically, naturally that came to me. And I realized that I really enjoy process improvement and um, project management. Mm. And started doing those certifications. And then once I attained those certifications, I actually put those certifications to work by doing the volunteer work. And those things helped lay the foundation for me to be able to have things to speak to in an interview. It gave me bullet points on my resume and um, it kept me relatively current. Mm-hmm. So these were specific certificate, uh, their credentials or certificate yeah. programs? Yeah. So for process improvement, I did the Lean Six Sigma. So I got the belts for that. They're various mm-hmm. belts. Um, and then uh, for project management, I got my PMI certification and I also did Scrum Master certification for project management. And then you t- I had also gotten a compliance certification. So there are a couple of false starts in there, you know, and <laughs> me just figuring out what I really wanted to do. Um, and but I ended up I'm in compliance now, mm-hmm. but I ended up not using it, you know, doing the prep work um, previous. I didn't volunteer using it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's interesting that so you do the coursework and then for some of that coursework, you're able to find volunteer work where you can apply it. Exactly. Uh, I see. That's, that's a very good strategy. Um, So when you decided actively to start looking for your, your second relaunch, your next Mm -hmm. job, um, can you bring us through some of the conversations you had or some of the milestone moments in that process and what actually led to the job opportunity that you got? Yeah. So once we moved um, to Charlotte, so moved past New Jersey, Another move. Yeah, he ended up taking a role at Bank of America in um, Charlotte. And once I got here, I didn't know many people, but I did. I had a a network that I was able to tap into. 
And so um, I realized that some of these uh, people I call my sisters, my friends, my fellow volunteers, they actually had full-time jobs and they were really high powered <laughs> in their, you know, in their positions, but they were using their time on the weekends to do volunteer work. So I got a chance to work with them in some um, different projects. And so once I was ready to start going back to work, I tapped into that network. And, but first, but, but let me back up before I actually decided to go to work, I had to have those conversations with myself to get myself mentally ready and, get my self-esteem to a place where it would be the work that I had done in, in the, you know, volunteering, I had to put a value to that mm-hmm. within myself first and, and realize that somebody would actually be willing to pay for the things that I was doing because I was volunteering, but, you know, I had to put a dollar amount to it mm-hmm. and that things that I was doing, it really was valuable. I didn't necessarily, it took a while for me to get to that point. Right. And I had never been really insecure about anything in my life. And so when I started having conversations with him or with my friends, they did, they couldn't receive that. They were like, not you, you're not insecure. You know, you're very confident. I can't imagine you having those, um, those insecurities. And so it would be blown off a little bit. And so I just got sort of decided, okay, let me just figure out a way to deal with this myself. And the best way that I could deal with it really would be through being overly prepared. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I, I got my resume, you know, and um, I started putting those bullet, you know, points down at the different volunteer work, the different projects that I was doing. And I tapped into the network by, hey, can you take a look at my resume for me? Um, what do you think I need to update? What do you think I need to change? Does this make sense? And then, hey, do you know anybody who's in process improvement? Do you know anybody in project management? And they made those connections for me because they had seen my work and they were comfortable putting their name behind me. But at the same time, I needed to feel confident that I would not embarrass them or myself when I actually spoke to these people, right? Right. And so um, when I would go into the conversations with some of these referrals, I made sure that I had my questions already ready, that uh, my resume was up to par. I knew exactly what I wanted to get out of those conversations. And and so that was very helpful. Um, The next thing that I did was I had gotten questions from some of these people who were like, they were hiring project managers. They were hiring process improvement people. So I'm like, hey, mm-hmm. what's a typical interview question? Can you give me a list of 10 that I would be able to look at? And I took, I think I ended up with about 20 or 30 questions and I narrowed them down into like categories and I put answers to each one of them. And then I looked at my stories that I had, you know, the different projects that I had. And I, I, I used them in a way that it's like, oh, well, these six can actually answer these 20 questions, you know, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and that was very helpful too. So I had my standard six answers that I was able to just apply to various questions. And, um, and so that narrowed down the things that I needed to think about. And it it made me be a little bit more focused in my interviews, um, whenever I got to that point. Well, Rena, you're t- sorry to interrupt you. I just want to just take this moment right here because you're talking about so many excellent strategies for relaunchers. 
you um, you met people as volunteers who were actually working. So you yeah. had, and you had this networking piece. You asked them for feedback on mm-hmm. your resume. You got the questions from them. And then you were able to be at a point where you actually asked for, do they know any jobs that were available in your area, uh, mm-hmm. in your area of um, focus? Mm-hmm. Uh, so you did that, that networking piece. Um, and just to call out that so many of us do a lot of volunteer work when we're relaunching and people who you meet as a volunteer can be very powerful. Yeah. Yeah. So like Rebrina, you're saying, they could vouch for you because they saw the work you did together when you were volunteering together. Exactly. So that's really important. And then the other piece, this over-preparing, it yeah. makes you more confident. Yeah. Um, and the other thing that you're saying is, you know, you had um, these six answers were good for these, these questions that, that you had already researched the questions in advance. Essentially, uh, writing that story, having the anecdotes, almost memorizing it like, yeah. like a script. Mm-hmm. And I actually took those six questions as well, and I floated them around to the people who were actually doing the work and say, hey, what do you think about this? Does this make sense? So um, so then you ultimately got offered the Wells Fargo job? Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, uh, just back up a second. I also uh, decided I needed, I didn't have a lot of experience in doing mock, in, doing interviews. So I set mm-hmm. up mock interviews with uh, people who you know, and who, um, a friend of mine, actually, she worked at, she was a director at a hospital. And I'm like, hey, can you interview me? And I thought it would be, you know, really relaxing, you know, kind of, I'll give you a little bit of feedback. Right. The meanest interviewer I have ever <laughs> come across. She was like very rude. She turned her back on me, was working on the computer after she'd asked a question. She would cut me off. She would look at me. She was doing all these things. And she told me, these are some you know, situations that you might incur, you might run into. I just mm-hmm. want you to be prepared. That's it. That was that was very helpful. <laughs> that was very helpful to me. And it helped help me feel like, okay, I can get through this. You know, I'll be, I'll be okay. Well, this mock interview piece, talking to your friends who are working, who are hiring yeah. managers, who have this experience. And I love that. She made it really hard on you. It was yeah, she was not nice. We still yeah. talk about it. We can laugh about it now, but I was my feelings were hurt. <laughs> yeah, but it was such good preparation. It, it was it was a gift in a way. So um, okay, so so you went through that interview process, and then what happened in terms of getting the the offer? Yeah, I ended up. I had two offers actually. I had two job offers. And I ended up, one was a risk role, and then the other one was process improvement role. And I ended up taking the process improvement role. And uh, can you talk a little bit, uh, both of you, about what is happening now with each of your careers? Yeah, absolutely. Actually, tomorrow will be my last day at Bank of America. And I'm transitioning to Google. And I will be uh, located in Atlanta, uh, running their data center infrastructure supply chain. So I'm really excited about that new opportunity. The opportunity here at Bank of America has been phenomenal. Um, been wor- work with some great folks, learned a lot, uh, but I'm also excited about this new opportunity uh, starting in about a week's time. Yeah. What, it's, what a moment that you're, <laughs> you're about to do that. And does that mean that that's another move from North Carolina to Atlanta? Yeah, it's another move, um, another uh, fear and trepidation. <laughs> Uh, because 
you know, with every move, there's always something new, right? Um, I think I've moved a lot. You would think getting out of the military, that's what, that's what <laughs> that our point, right? <laughs> but we've moved more um, since I've been in the civilian world uh, than ever. Um, but there's upsides to that and there's some downsides as well. But um, overall, it's it's been a good ride. Wow. Well, that's <laughs> Wait, what did you say? At the end is Google. <laughs> well, yeah, it's really exciting. Congratulations, Corey. That's that's awesome. And Labrina, I, I'm wondering, so how are you thinking about this? Well, I actually just got promoted in January at Wells Fargo. And so we're right. trying to, you know, we're trying to figure that out. <laughs> wow. Well, so my, I think my whole plan um, was to get promoted within 18 to 24 months. And I was actually promoted within 15 months. So I was all excited, you know, about my role. And I still am. But then he was also interviewing and he ended up taking a Google, a Google role. So I'm, we're trying to navigate, you know, what makes sense. Right. So you both shared a lot about uh, taking career breaks for different reasons, overlapping career breaks, moving, a lot of transition, a lot of uh, communication and coordination with each other. I'm wondering if you could share with our audience your best piece of advice, even if it's something that we've already talked about today, and I'd love to hear from each of you. Yeah, I would say uh, don't settle uh, because you have to look at yourself in the mirror every single morning and feel good that you made the right decision. And of course, you know, life is filled with peaks and valleys. and you may feel like you're in that valley and you just have to, you know, make a decision right there. And perhaps you don't. And it'll get lonely and you'll feel like you're in the wilderness. But uh, stand true to your principles and, and don't settle. And the one thing I really want to um, piggyback on what Labrino was saying, being overprepared. What I've learned from her is <laughs> that, my goodness, she's just always overprepared. And I take that into my work now. Right. I'm like. Corey, <laughs> did you do your best? Are you prepared? Is your team prepared? And if you're not, that's on you. And so if the results don't come out like you want it to, and you didn't prepare, so that's all on you. So over-prepare, put in the work. It's not easy. Um, and that's what she's done is she's put in the work. And people will applaud you for that. Right. Labrina, anything to add? Yeah, I, I guess the biggest thing I would say is don't let anyone else write your story. Write your own story. Um, a lot of people will put limitations on you. They will tell you what you can and cannot do. But you be the author of how you want your life to turn out. And again, put in the work. I was told, you know, no one would give you six figures for, you know, you haven't worked in 17 years. You, you're coming off the couch eating bonbons and <laughs> going to the corporate America. You know, no one's going to pay you. Um, you're not going to be able to get a job. And then once I did get the job, you know, you're being too aggressive with wanting to get promoted within, you know, 18 to 24 months. But allow your work to speak for you. Put in the work. Put in the time and create your own story, Wow! not someone else's. Yeah, this is incredible advice. Um, 
filtering out all of that negativity um, yep. and negative input that you might be getting from other people or just mm -hmm. or the economy or something like that, filtering that out. Um, not settling, Corey, uh, coming back to that point um, that you illustrated so vividly and it's, it's such a great example for our relauncher audience and Labrina, the over-preparing and the putting in the work. So really, really great advice for everyone. I want to thank both of you for, for sharing a lot and for uh, giving us this inside view of, of what was happening during the course of many years, over two decades. And I, there's a lot for us to learn and a lot that we appreciate. So thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. And thanks for listening to 321 I Relaunch, the podcast where we talk about return to work strategies, advice, and success stories. I'm Carol Fishman Cohen, CEO and co-founder of iRelaunch and your host. I hope that all of you who are listening who are relaunching will check out our resources on iRelaunch.com and make sure that you sign up for our job board and make sure you're on our mailing list. You will get our weekly return to work report, which is full of opportunities specifically for people who have taken career breaks. Thanks for joining us.